Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to the official podcast of First Alliance Church in Great Falls, Montana, creating passionate followers of Christ. Today's message is from lead pastor John Reese. Mark Yarborough, in his book, uh, Tidings of Comfort and Joy, makes a statement that love flows downward. He says, he says, when our first child, Kayla, was born, he says, I remember how Jennifer, my wife, looked at our baby in her arms in the hospital just after giving birth, holding her, smiling at her, looking at me, crying, laughing, all within moments of each other. He says, that's forever etched into my mind. We looked at our baby and our love flowed down to her. You know, sure love can flow upwards too, but love is more downward than upwards. It always will be. He continues, he says, if this is true in a purely human level, how much more does it reveal the heart and nature of God, our Heavenly Father, and His love for us? With Him, the pattern's well established. Throughout the entire biblical narrative, there is only one story, after, there is one story after another which demonstrates God's love for his people, and the common denominator for each story is that God's love is undeserved, unmerited, and unjustified. It's all grace. It flows downward. Love came down at Christmas. Jesus emptied himself of all the glories of heaven to come to us, to save us, There's no greater love than that. It flowed downward, even at a time when there was little or none flowing upward. That is the meaning of Christmas. Christmas is a story of God's love come down. I've always uh, enjoyed Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard's telling of the Christmas story, and he tells it in the form of a parable It's a story about a rich, powerful king who fell in love with a young woman. And he says this, he says, The king was like no other king. Every statesman trembled before him. No one dared to breathe a word against him, for he had the strength to crush all of his opponents. And yet this mighty king was melted by love for a humble maiden. How could he declare his love for her? In an odd sort of way, his very kingliness tied his hands. If he brought her to his palace and crowned her head with jewels and clothed her body in royal robes, she would surely not resist. No one could resist him. But would she love him? She would say she loved him, of course, but would she truly love him? Or would she live with him in fear, nursing the private private grief for the life she had to leave behind would she be happy by his side how could he know <laughs> if he if he rode with her to her forest cottage in his royal carriage with an armed escort waving his bright banners that too would overwhelm her he didn't want a cringing subject he wanted a lover He wanted her to forget that he was a king and she a humble maiden and to let her love cross the gulf between them. For it's only in love 
that the unequal can be made equal, declared Kierkegaard. The king, convinced that he could never elevate the maiden without crushing her freedom, resolved to descend. He clothed himself as a beggar. He approached her cottage in Canito. He, with a worn cloak, fluttering loosely about him. It was no mere disguise, but a new identity that he took on. He renounced the throne to win her hand. What Kierkegaard expresses in this parable, the Apostle Paul expressed in the word, these words about Jesus, he said, though he was God, he did not think equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. In his dealings with us, God humbled himself. God, like the, the king in Kierkegaard's parable took on a new form. He became a man. It was the most shocking descent imaginable. You know, in the Christmas story, over and over again, you hear the words, fear not. <laughs> the angels told the shepherds, fear not. And, and let me ask you this. What could be less scary than a newborn baby with jerky limbs and, and eyes that don't focus lying in a manger. In Jesus, God found an approach that humanity need not fear. The king cast off his robes when he came to us. Kenosis is the technical word that theologians use to describe Christ emptying himself of the advantages of deity. There's a Christmas carol we sing that describes this descent. It says this, it said, Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home there was found no room for thy, ho royal, thy holy nativity. The arches rang when the angels sang, proclaiming the holy decree. But of lowly birth thou didst come to earth in great humility. Fact is, on one occasion, Jesus, the creator of it all, the Lord and Savior, said this to his disciples. He said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Jesus had every right to be served. As a second person of the Trinity, he deserved all the praise of heaven and earth. You know, if anybody was entitled to honor and respect, it was Jesus. Yet Jesus put this aside in obedience to his Father and out of love for us, he took the lowest possible station, that the place of a servant. Now think about it. The heir of the kingdom, freely, gladly, humbling himself, and he did it for the sake of disinterested human beings like you and I. You know, Jesus had many opportunities to go around like a puffed-up narcissist. <laughs> and he, as God's incarnate, was entitled to. But even when he is telling people that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and basically saying he's the center of it all, he doesn't do it in an arrogant way. He's humble, he's gentle, and he's lowly. And let me just put a little ad in here for the book we're giving you tonight. The book is called Gentle and Lowly. It's a description of Jesus. It's, it's, it's a, a good read, and, and I, I want you all to pick it up and 
take time with it. I read it this last year, and it, was, it really touched me. But he came. The king of kings came gentle and lowly. True love, it's been pointed out, is essentially the decentering of self. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus came to bear the cross. You know, when we contemplate the Lord, we understand what selfless love is all about. His entire life was lived for others, not himself. He served his father's purposes, not his own. Over and over again, we read that Jesus was expressing Concerned that everything he did was for the sake of serving his father. He came to the world not on his own accord, but on God's accord. He constantly told those around him, I have to be about my father's business. It wasn't his business he was about. He taught only that the father, what the father gave him to speak, he said. This, he continued to focus on revealing his father to people instead of lifting himself up. In Gethsemane, he prayed an agonizing prayer in light of what he was about to suffer. He prayed that if possible, he would like to be spared this ordeal. But then he quickly added, I don't want my will, but I want my Father's will. I want your will to be done. He was a man with a singular focus. His life was about his Father's agenda. Jesus came not only to serve his Father, but he came to serve you and I. As a man, Jesus would have preferred not to bear the weight of our sin, not to suffer the wrath of God, not to be crucified on the cross. Nevertheless, Jesus gave up his desires in life for us. He was committed to doing whatever it took to save us. Why? Because he loves us, and his love is not a me-first love. It was a love centered on your need and centered on his Father's plan. In our series on 1 Corinthians 13... We've talked about what love is, but love is also not proud, it's not arrogant, it's not self-seeking, and all these things, too, are manifest in Christ. You know, there's only one thing that freely chooses to give up its own rights, its own plans, its own comforts, its own desires, even its own life, and that is a love like the love Jesus had for you. Most of us, are prepared to love others only to the point that it actually begins to cost us something. Jared Wilson pointed out that we operate in the spirit of the meatloaf song, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. (laughs) In other words, we'd do anything for love until it gets difficult. Jesus' love wasn't like that. Jesus loved to the end. He loved through the pain. He loved to the uttermost. Wilson continues, he says, when I come home from work, which aside from teaching a couple of classes at college and conducting a few casual conversations, I've largely spent my day in my own mental world, with the exception of those times. He says, I spend a lot of time by myself, and it's exhausting. (laughs) He says, so when I come home, I'm tired, and I want to be by myself. (laughs) But he continues, home is where all the place, the place where all the people who matter most to me live. 
However, tired and self-pitying, I see every request they make, no matter how small, as the straw that broke the camel's back. Because I'm exhausted. I've been with myself. Every request for my help becomes a bridge too far. He says, when I pull in the driveway, as I park my car, I shift my self-interest into drive. He says, this happens in my day as well as texts and emails and phone calls pile up. These little intrusions pierce my force shield of self-worship. Every interruption is, usurp, uh, is a usurping of my being, the center of the universe. He says, it happened even when I was writing this chapter on love. He says, I was in my seminary office writing when I received a text from my wife about a couple household issues we're currently dealing with. Our hot water heater's been out for six days now, and the freezer we keep in our garage had apparently shut off and everything in it spoiled, and now the smell of death was wafting into our house. (laughs) She simply asked me, would you help me clean out the garage? And I was immediately irritated. Didn't she know I was writing? I was writing a very important chapter on love. (laughs) He said, but then I think of Jesus with all of his pressing needs and interruptions in his course of business. I see him stopping to heal a frightened woman with a bleeding issue while he's on his way to help a man whose daughter's about to die. Jesus didn't get bothered by interruptions in his ministry. He actually saw interruptions as his ministry. Jesus was perfect, and yet he didn't look down on others. I'm ridiculously imperfect, but I look down on others. Jesus was perfectly holy, yet not arrogant. I am frustratingly unholy, but I am arrogant a lot, like a lot. (laughs) I am so not Jesus. I don't know if you can identify with that. I sure can. Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourself. Don't look out after your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his privileges, his divine privileges, He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. And when he appeared as a human being, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal death on a cross. That's the kind of love Jesus demonstrated for us. It's the kind of love we're called to offer to each other. You know, why not this Christmas while contemplating the love that Jesus has shown you, why not love one another? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we just meditate for a few moments on the nature of Christ's love, a love that's not arrogant, a love that's not boastful, a love that's not me-centered, a love that's not self-seeking, a love that's for his Father's purposes, a love that's for our need. Lord, help us to, like Christ, love others in a self-sacrificing way, showing others what the nature of God's love is really like.
Thank you for each person here. Pray that our Christmases might be a Christ-centered occasion. Thank you for the gift that overshadows every other gift, the gift of your precious son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you are blessed by the message today. Follow us on social media to keep up to date with church news and events.